Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador, in change that in, I, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And may the Lord continue to add his blessings to the scriptures, as powerful as they are as we looked at them today. Ephesians chapter 6. We've, as we said, we've looked at this. The preparation for battle, verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and the power is might. His life is our life. His power is our power. His truth is our truth. His way is our way. And his strength is our strength. The provisions for battle, this is the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. It's to be complete. You can't pick it up just one piece. I'm just going to take the shield of faith. It says take up the whole armor of God. If I'm going to be able to withstand against the wicked one, the evil one, I must take up the whole armor of God. And now today we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. We're talking about prayer for the Bible. Uh, prayer always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit. Uh, in this passage, uh, two things I want to focus in on, uh, and probably could have done much more and maybe a better job at it, but simply to say this, how to pray and what to pray are the two things I think that stand out here. I came across this quote. Uh, it's by Warren, Warren Wiersbe. Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and wield the sword. We cannot fight in our own strength, no matter how strong or talented we may think we are. We may think we've arrived. We may think that we have this, this great uh, giant of a Christian but without prayer and dependence and upon God, you and I will utterly, completely, continually fail. Prayer is the energy that enables a Christian soldier to wear the armor and wield the sword. Some of the questions may ask, what does that look like? Before I get that, let me say this. In Exodus chapter 17, Israel is wandering in the wilderness. They are attacked by the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were descendants of Amalek, who was a grandson of Esau. Remember, Esau is Jacob's twin brother. So there was automatically a conflict going on between Esau's descendants and Jacob's descendants. Jacob, by the way, his name was changed to Israel. So they became known as the Israelites. So you have the Amalekites attacking the Israelites. As far as we know from the scripture, there was no reason they were, they were not provoked. They just attacked. And at this time, you have to remember, this is early on in their wilderness journey as they're coming out of Egypt. They were not a trained army. 
They, did, they, they had weapons, as we know, because it says that uh, Joshua had a sword, but they were not a trained military army. This was going to be a wipeout. This was going to be a massacre. And God told Moses, said, listen, you tell Joshua to get together, those individuals could be, be fighting men. You take them down and go into the valley. You run up against the Amalekites. And, and Moses, you go up to the mountaintop and you start praying. We talk about doing God's will and wanting to be active in God's will, and we've prayed about it, but you need to put feet to your prayers. So Moses is up on the mountaintop praying. In fact, two men are there because as long as he held the rod up in the air, they won the battle. But two men were with him, Aaron and Hur, and Moses got tired because the battle was long. So they came beside him and held his arms up so the, so the Malachites would be defeated by Joshua and the Israelites. Putting feet to your prayers so you can wield the sword. So you can put on their armor and use it. They're, they're, they are both... Uh, needful as we go into battle. As you go into battle this week, you take the time to take those requests before the Lord and lay them at his feet. You will be able to fight the battle. And listen, if you need help in prayer, talk down, sit down and talk with a, a friend or a, a spiritual colleague you know that loves the Lord and say, listen, will you pray with me about this? Hold our arms up so we can get through this battle. Very real. What does the battle look like for you and I? That spiritual battle looks like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the very tactics that, that, and devices that Satan used in the Garden of Eden. It's the same thing he used against Christ for the temptation of Christ. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It may take place in the area of finances. It may be take place in the area of your business or your family or relationships or your health. Are you ready for the battle? And so as we come then to this section dealing specifically with prayer. So, how to pray? Well, first of all, the frequency of prayer. Let me, let me just give you three things. When we talk about the frequency, well, I'll get to this later. I'll go back to it, okay? So you can w- wait with anticipation about what I was just going to tell you. But we'll get to it. It's really a good thing. Anyway, the frequency of prayer. He says here in verse 18, he says, Praying always. Uh, we're to live in a, const- a continual state of God consciousness. Think about that. A continual state of God consciousness. Are you conscious of God? Uh, moment by moment in your life, as you live it, as you, it doesn't matter whether you're at work, at play, at a hobby, at a game, family time, personal time, are you conscious of God? Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him, he's the source, and through him, he's the sustainer, and to him, because he is a a provider of salvation, the Savior, to whom be glory forever. God consciousness, Romans 11.36. The second thing, as you notice up there, is to to focus our thoughts and our thinking. To focus on things above. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, great verses. Set your mind on things above, not on things in the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, I'm as guilty as you are. Our focus is right here. We have blinders on. We have tunnel vision. Because you know why? It's all about me. It's not all about him. We need to focus our thinking 
on things that are high, things that are heavenly, things that are that have to do with Christ. We have to live here. We know that. We have to live here. But we don't have to think like they think. We need to focus our thoughts on things above to be able to actually live in the real world. The last one, look up there, to be in a perpetual state of prayerfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. A perpetual state of prayerfulness. Uh, as I walk, as I work, as I talk, as I think, any place, any time, about anything. A perpetual state of prayerfulness. Any time, any place, about anything. He says this, we can come boldly before the throne of God. Any place, any time, about anything. What, what, is, what is heavy on your heart? What is, what is spiritually weighing you down? What's holding you back? You can go any place, any time, to him about anything. A perpetual state of prayerfulness. Secondly, the purpose of prayer. This is, a, this is, this is what I was talking about. This is great. Okay, this is really good stuff. If, let's put it this way. If you don't get anything else out of the message, get this. The word there that is used for prayer is used twice. Praying always with prayer. It's prosuke. Say, well, big deal, Pastor Ken. What's that mean? Well, now you can say you know a little Greek. Prosuke. It's the most frequently used word in the New Testament for prayer. It always is used with prayer to God. In other words, this praying always with all prayer has to do with worship. This prayer is always has to do with God, praying to God, and it has to do with worship. The emphasis is devotion, or to be devoted to, and dependent on God. Let me give you an illustration. Pray with, praying with all prayer. In fact, let me back up. Let me tell you why I think this is so great. There's a lot of things or reasons we, purposes why we pray. And you know what? There's probably nothing wrong with those reasons why we pray. But this, I believe, is the purpose why we are to be praying. Because no matter what we're praying about, praying for, praying over, it, 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 this is an expression of our devotion and dependence on God. Why pray? Because I, am, I want to express my devotion and my dependence upon God. Not on the arm of the flesh. I'm fleshly enough without trying to be that way. Prayer, by the way, is not a natural reflex. You've got to work at it. You know, we work on uh, uh, exercise for muscle tone. Some people exercise to build muscle. I gave up on that a long time ago. We need to exercise our prayer life so we get prayer toned up. Some of us needs more muscle. 
This expression of our, our dependence and our devotion to God. Let me give this illustration. In Genesis chapter 12, God delivered what's called the Abrahamic covenant to Abraham. These were the promises of a land, of a people, and of blessings. And he gave these promises to him, and, and, Abraham's, and it says Abraham believed God. He embraced it. This was is, this is phenomenal in the, in the historical record because he specifically chose Abraham and his descendants. He chose them out to bless them. Then as that chapter goes on, there was a famine in the land. And Abraham did exactly what you, would have, you and I would have done. He didn't pray. He got on his cart and went down to Egypt because he heard there was food down there. Egypt is always representative of the world, whether it be the world philosophy, world influences, it always is representation of the world. So Abraham did not pray. He got on his cart and he went down into the world. And while I was there, God, and that's the longest part of the story too, but God has miraculously intervened and sent him back. And when he got back to the promised land, the first thing he did was what? He built an altar. It never records there that he worshipped in Egypt. But as soon as he gets back to the promised land, he builds an altar. And the purpose of him building an altar was what? He realized that his dependence and his devotion had to be on God, not the arm of the flesh. Our devotion, our dependence, is to be on God. We are just like Abraham. Our natural instinct is to go right to the flesh. Because we can figure it out, can't we? He's given us a mind, let's use it. He's given us an incredible opportunity to go any place at any time about anything. To seek his leading and his will, his provisions. And you know what? It may very well have been God's will for him to go if he had sat down and talked to God about it. But he didn't. He did his own thing. The second thing is to talk about the purpose of prayer. To illustrate our nearness and dearness to God. This is, a, this is another great illustration. When we come to prayer, pray, okay, let's put it this way. When I think about praying, I think about, boy, I got all these requests. I got to dump it on the Lord. I got to, you know, I got these things that are heavy in my heart. I got to get them there. But when we come to prayer, certainly that's part of that devotion and dependence upon him. But it's to illustrate our nearness and dearness to God. This is a, let's think about it. This is a unique relationship that we have to God to be able to come to him as a dear friend that he really is and speak to him and listen to him speak to us through his word. He speaks to us through other believers. He speaks to us through circumstances, although circumstances don't determine his will. Sometimes we pray and we forget to watch to see where the answer is. I'll get to that in a minute. But this is a great illustration. The nearness and dearness to God. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai the second time. He's there for 40 days. And he receives the law written on a stone. The reason it's the second time, if you remember the first time he went up and got the, the Ten Commandments, 
the children of Israel were worshiping idols, he had to come down the mountain, and, and out of anger, he broke the, the tablets. So God allowed him to come back a second time. God, in his mercy and his grace, as he always is gracious to us, he went ahead and wrote it out a second time for him, the Ten Commandments. He was with him for 40 days. He descended from Mount Sinai, and the people were afraid to come near to him. Moses did not know that his face shone because he had talked with God. Listen, listen to this poem. You'll get it. You'll get it. Mark for his own. How lovely are the faces of the men who talk with God, lit with an inner sureness of the path their feet have trod. How gentle is the manner of a man who walks with him. No strength can overcome him, and no cloud has courage dim. Keen are the hands and feet, ah, yes, of those who want, want his will. And clear as crystal mirrors are the hearts his love can fill. Some lives are drear with doubt and fear, while others merely plod. But lovely faces mark the men who walk and talk with God. There's a nearness and a dearness that shows up on your very countenance when you've spent time with God. That nearness and the dearness. They could not look on him. Because he didn't realize that his face shone because he had been with God. Some believe, this is a, I'm going to throw this as extra, you don't have to write this down, but some believe actually that he wore a veil the rest of his life uh, because of the, the brightness that it shows. Some others believe that over time it kind of diminished. Uh, but at least we know at this time, when he came down to speak to the children of Israel, he actually had to wear a veil over his face because it shone so bright because he had been with God. Mark for his own. The spirit in prayer and the procedure for prayer and the object of prayer. First of all, let's look at the spirit of prayer. To integrate scripture into our prayers. Uh, as we, this, this, this spirit of prayer, this is the capital S, this is the Holy Spirit. Uh, this has nothing to do with speaking in tongues or some ecstatic, dramatic manner of so-called spiritual ec ecstasy. But to pray in the spirit because of the context and you say, why is that? Because if you look at the previous verse, it says, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So to pray in the Spirit is to pray Scripture. Scripture should be part of our prayers. Turn back with me to Psalm 91. I want to look at a couple Psalms here. Psalm 91, verses 1 to 4. Integrate these verses into your prayer. Do it today. This talks about the safety and the abiding, of abiding in the presence of, of God. He who holds, he who dwells in the sweet place, secret place, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Pray the scriptures. What a dwelling place. Secret place of the Most High God. Four different names used there of God, by the way. Turn over to Psalm 92. Verse 1 and 2. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Wow. It's great to give thanks for your loving kindness, for your faithfulness, day and night. Pray the scriptures. Integrate them into your prayers. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Integrate that into your prayers, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You lean, and he leads. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show you great and mighty things which you know not. God, as I call upon you, I'm looking for some great things. Not things that I expect. I'm just looking for great things. And, that, and if you send them, they're going to be great. Ephesians 3.20, in our own, in, in our own uh, chapter, of, or book of Ephesians, above and beyond what you ask or think, according to the power of God that works within us. Integrate it into your prayers. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, He will never leave us nor forsake us. And here we are, we feel lonely. We feel deserted. We feel alone. But yet, you know what? He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. I like verse 8, too. If you look at that same chapter in Hebrews chapter 13, he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And my fluctuate, my emotions go up and down and all over the room. But he's the same. God, thank you for sending Christ who is the same. Help me to have that same kind of consistency. Of course, James 1.5. If anyone would ask for wisdom, I pour it out. I don't set any limit on it. Incredible promise, by the way. There's no conditions on that promise. Ask for wisdom. Integrate it in your prayers. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in the Spirit, is to integrate Scripture in our prayers. The second thing, as you see up there, to pray in the Spirit is to recognize while we are praying, so is the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. And boy, there's a lot of times that we get to that point in time of things that happen in our life, and I just don't know how to pray. But I'm thinking about it, Ephesians 3.20, whatever you ask or think, and the Holy Spirit is inter- interceding for me because I just don't know how to pray about this. But he does. To pray in the Spirit is to recognize that while I'm praying, the soul is the Spirit. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I can't, I can't even explain what he's saying. It's too deep for words. Yet I know it's true. He's interceding for you, for me. Procedure for prayer. Be alert, be persistent, be specific. He said, being watchful with all perseverance and supplication. Be alert or be watchful, sleepless, vigilant, awake, aware. In Mark chapter 14, this is where Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he went into the garden. And as he went into the garden, he turned to his disciples and he said, watch and pray. Now listen to this. Lest you enter into temptation. Procedure for prayer. Be alert. Watch and pray. Why should I watch and pray? So I won't enter into temptation. Be alert. Be vigilant. Wake up. Be persistent. He said with all perseverance. Perseverance in prayer is not to be twisting God's arm. This is a quote from Warren Wiersbe again. But rather we are deeply concerned, burdened, and cannot get rest until we get God's answer. Persistent. In Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 19, this is a, this is a great illustration from the early church. 
Peter had been taken into prison. The early church was praying and praying and praying that God would get Peter out. And in the evening when they're praying, they hear a knock on the door. They go to the door, a, a young, we think it was a young girl, we don't know if it was a teenage girl or, or not, but a young girl came to the door, and she answered the door, and it was Peter. Well, she was so excited, she forgot to open the door. She ran back and told everybody, guess who's at the door? Peter. Yeah, right. They had to go see for themselves. There's a great, there's a, there's a great story in here, too. When we pray, are you looking for God's answers? We, we pray, you know, okay, okay, God, boom, it's, yeah, I'm dumping it right here. But are you looking for God's answers? Are you, are you anticipating his answer? Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait a while, and let me add a fourth. Sometimes it's a totally what you did not expect. But he does answer prayer. Are you looking for the answer? Or are you just dumping? They prayed. They weren't trying to twist God's arm, but they were persistent in their prayer. Be specific. It says, with all supplication. By the way, this is the second time this word is used here in this passage. Supplication has to do with, is one of the basic elements of prayer. You say basic element, what are you talking about, Pastor Ken? Think of prayer this way, acts. A-C-T-S. When you think of prayer, these are the basic elements of prayer. Adoration of God. C is for confession of sin. T is thanksgiving. And S is supplication. Supplication has to do with a, a specific, personal. This is something you are talking about. It may be personal sin that you need to confess. It may be a personal intercession for another believer, another, another uh, brother or sister in Christ. It may be a specific request that you have. It may have to do with health needs or family needs or relationships. But this is be specific. Oh, God, forgive me for my sins. No, what sin? Be specific about it. Oh, God, help all the college students. Which college student? Help them How? Oh, God, I pray for all the missionaries. Which missionary? In which country? Be specific. And what request? Be specific. So the procedure for prayer is be alert, be persistent, be specific. The object of prayer. For all the saints. You can talk about me as much as you want. But I'll talk about you on my knees. Don't tear me down until you pray me up. You heard that one? The object of prayer says for all the saints. Other places were to pray for those who are unsaved. Other places were to do for prayer for spiritual growth. But specifically, he says right here, we are, to, we are to pray specifically for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for their marriages. Pray for their responsibilities as a parent. Pray for their businesses. Pray for them spiritually that they may grow. We are to pray for all the saints. We are to pray individually for the brothers and sisters in Christ. The object of our prayer is each other.
what to pray. Verse 19 and 20, what he did not ask for. Notice here, as you look at Ephesians chapter 6, he did not pray for safety. Uh, by the way, Ephesians is one of the prison epistles. In fact, if you look here in verse um, 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, speak boldly as I ought to speak. He was at this time either chained to one Roman soldier or possibly two Roman soldiers. He didn't have freedom of movement. He not only was in prison, but he was attached to a Roman guard. He didn't pray for safety. He didn't pray for comfort. He didn't pray for release. He didn't pray for peace. He didn't pray for happiness. The things that so fill our prayers. But what did he pray for? He looked there, three things. He prayed, first of all, that utterance may be given to me. He prayed for effectiveness. God, help me to be effective. God, help my brother and sister in Christ, Ralph and Cindy, to be effective. Help my brother in Christ, Chris Allen and um, Mitch Bittell, help them to be effective. That they'll have the right words and be able to say them at the right time. He said, pray for me that I would be effective. Secondly, he says, that I may open my mouth boldly, that I may speak boldly. He prayed for courage. That's encouraging to me. Here's Paul, this great missionary, started more churches than you could blink at, and he's asking to pray for him that he would have boldness. Pray for my dear brother Ryan, as he teaches the public school, that he have boldness, not only to be effective, but to share Christ. Boldness. To have that courage, that confident, fearless. Uh, the teens were at this identity conference on, on Saturday. They had one of the raised baseball players came and gave a testimony. And one of the questions, he had to answer in question time, one of the questions that was asked him, it said, uh, how do you make your fellow teammates comfortable when you share the gospel? And he said, there's nothing comfortable about the gospel. Because you know why? It challenges and changes lives. There's no way to sugarcoat the gospel. If people are going to take offense, they're going to take offense. But guess what? You and I are supposed to be fearless, to have courage and share the gospel. Share that message. And it's not going to be comfortable for you or for the person hearing it. He said, pray for effectiveness, pray for courage. The last one is for faithfulness. He says, to make known the, the mystery of the gospel, I am an ambassador in chains. Reliable, dependable, trustworthy. Faithfulness. God help me to be faithful. I am an ambassador for you in chains. You and I are free. <laughs> We're free to worship. We're free to move about. We are free in our country to share the gospel. God help us to be faithful as we serve, as we go forth. What are you praying for? God change the circumstances? Or God change my character that I'll be fearless? That I'll be faithful. I'll be effective.
has bowed and eyes closed as we close our service this morning. No one look around, please, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as your personal Savior. Would you like to have someone show you from the Word of God how you can be saved? Is there anyone like that? Just slip your hand up real quick, put it down. I will not embarrass you. I would like to talk to you after the service. Is there anyone like that? Secondly, if you're here this morning, say, Pastor Ken, pray for me. I'm one of the saints that I'll be effective, that I'll be fearless, that I'll be faithful. Secondly, or lastly, you say, Pastor Ken, pray for me that I will have a better prayer life. God, we thank you for these hands. You see the hearts, God. You know the hearts. We just see the hands. And we're thankful that you see the hearts. It's more important to you than it is to me. It's good to see that God's working, that people are responding, that there's a sensitivity to God and working in their lives. Oh, God, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning that as we go out and enter that mission field, that we will be effective, that we'll be fearless, that we'll be faithful. Oh, God, I pray for our prayer life, that nearness and dearness to God, that our countenance will show that we've been with you, that we've walked with you, that we've been in your word. Oh, God, that we'll make a difference. The chains have been taken off. We're free. In Jesus' name we pray.